Hi, welcome to For the Culture Canada, the center point of art and entrepreneurship. Today I have a guest that I'm very, very excited about because I've actually known of him for quite a while, but this is the first time that I've actually got to sit down and have a conversation with him. This is episode 34. I am with somebody who has worked with lots of different people. You may have seen him actually sitting at the counter at the film factory, and you may have seen his work all over the place, working with people like Living Machines, Sunripe, Wesley Snipes even, and Rare Breed. I'm of course talking about Jordan Powell. Hours. Welcome to the show, man. What's up? Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for being a part of the show, man. How you been? How you feeling? Good, man. I'm tired, but yeah, all of us out here are tired, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really busy. And you, you've had a pretty busy week, you were saying, right? Yeah, yeah. Lots of stuff going on at the factory and then just personally with projects as well. Yeah, totally. Uh, okay, so before we get into all the other stuff that you've been up to, mm-hmm. I want to get back into your past a little bit. So um, tell me, where were you from and how did you get into film in the first place? Yeah, uh, BC boy all my life. I grew up in Maple Ridge for the for the first half of uh, of my life, kind of like till age twelve, and then we moved out here to Kelowna okay. um, with the family, and then been here ever since. Yeah, why why Kelowna? Uh, my dad grew up here, and my mom used to come on vacation out to the Okanagan, so it was just a natural move back, I guess. Right, that makes sense. And did you like moving over here? Not at first, like grade six, I was crying. I didn't want to like leave my friends and stuff like that. But looking yeah. back on it, I don't think uh, my parents could have made a better decision. This place was great to grow up in. Yeah. Did you? Do you miss Maple Ridge? Do you ever go back? I go back, but I mean, if I'm being a hundred percent honest, not really. <laughs> <laughs> Why? I don't know. I just like I don't really keep in touch with a lot of the people that I knew back there, other than like really close family friends. And then I don't know, man. Like we got the lakes, the mountains, the beauty. Totally. Yeah. Totally. And you have the film factory. Here. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay. So what made you want to get into like film and like all that stuff in the first place? Where did you find your passion for it? Yeah. Um, growing up, my, uh, my dad was, well, my dad moved out to Vancouver when he was like 19 to be a, a rock star drummer. Oh. And so uh, he was in bands and stuff growing up. And so uh, he always kind of put this creative drive into us. And then my mom was just an extremely hard worker. And so, um, I definitely get both of those aspects from them. And so growing up, um, both my sister and I would, would were really into like movies and, and music and, uh, we just kind of always pursued it, but I guess I never really thought it was a job or anything like that. Right. Um, so I actually ended up becoming a mechanic uh, straight out of high school and worked at Anthony Subaru for a long time. And then my sister started killing it as an actress. And so she inspired me to be like, I don't want to be this greasy mechanic and uh, (laughs) she's going to be this amazing movie star. So maybe I could help her out by being behind the camera. Yeah. Okay. So she was more so on the forefront where you were on the back. For sure. Yeah. And like, I'm three years older than her, Okay. but like our relationship has always been like that. I'll see her do something and then I'm like, okay, now I got to do it better. Like she learned how to ride a bike before me and stupid things like that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. And uh, did you want to get into the acting forefront part of it first or was it, or were you always sort of a gearhead before that? Uh, I mean, I always admired actors. Yeah. Um, and I, I, you know, I was the same dude that was also pretending I was a Jedi Knight until I was like 14. <laughs> so, I mean, I, I definitely ad- admired it, but I never really thought it was something I could do. Maybe it was like a lack of confidence. So um, I never really pursued it. Any acting opportunities I've gotten have just been completely uh, organic and I'm always grateful for them. Yeah, that's fair. That's yeah. fair. And so then what made you, uh, well, actually, how did you get involved with the film factory then? Uh, did you do any film projects before that? Uh, like short films growing up with, with yet again, like with my sister acting them in, in them and stuff. And then, uh, 
I got involved with the film factory because uh, my my dad kind of knew them just through the local networking scene right. um, here in, in Kelowna. He's like a big networker and throws events and stuff like that. And so um, they were having the opening house at the film factory. And so my dad was like, if you want to be in the film industry, like you have to go and shake these people's hands. So it like, forced me to go down there. And I was like the youngest person there. And uh, so they kind of like took notice to that and took a liking to me. And then um, it came a point where they were building a shed in the back of the film factory. Yeah. And they knew I had a trades background. And so they were like, hey, maybe we can get Jordan to help us out with this shed. And I was a mechanic, not a carpenter. So it's the shittiest shed you'll ever come across. <laughs> 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 but regardless, they saw that I was willing to work hard and, and you know, do some of the uh, bottom of the totem pole jobs uh, to begin with so right right that's fair man mm -hmm. that's fair what was what was your uh, what were the short films like that you used to make uh they were just like really cheesy and and kind of you know lame short films both my sister and i are huge like uh marvel fans and so yeah we kind of try to go with that storyline of like the strong powerful kind of protagonist and right but you're young with a with a Sony Handycam, so <laughs> and not a big visual effects budget by any means. So they're they're pretty cheesy, but hey, I mean, like you got to start somewhere. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, totally, totally. Okay, so when it came to the Film Factory and then moving on, how did you start getting involved with like all the locals and how everybody wants to be? Make you you seem to be like always there when people are making music videos and stuff. <laughs> yeah. Like, what's up with that, man? Yeah, I mean, like I said, my dad was a big networker, so he he. I always felt like networking and meeting people was uh, super important. And uh, so when I first got into like filmmaking as a as a professional, um, I felt like I was a bit behind since right. I did those like two years automotive, which was just like a crazy thought of being young and scared. So yeah, I felt like I was behind everybody else, and so I just did as much as I could to meet people. Um, I went to the Okanagan Society of Independent Filmmakers website. Yeah. And I just went to every single person that called themselves a director, a cinematographer, a producer, etc. And I just emailed them saying, hey, my name is Jordan. I'm this, I'm that. Uh, I'm willing to basically do whatever it takes to get on set. Or do you want to meet up for coffee? And so a couple of people took me up on those opportunities and then your network just keeps growing and growing. Yeah, very cool. Are, and are you still in touch with those people today? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. They're all still very involved in, in the local scene and then even in further ones. And um, I just keep applying that same mentality to like Instagram and stuff. As soon as I see somebody doing something I like and I think it's cool and then I reach out to them and I say, hey, this is awesome. Do you want to link up sometime? And so... Yeah, that's dope. Are you still, um, are, are when it comes to the size, society, uh, sorry, society of independent filmmaking, mm -hmm. what's their role when it comes to like what's going on here in Kelowna? Yeah, it's had a pretty interesting, uh, history. Okay. Uh, it's just a nonprofit. Uh, Kelly Veltry has pretty much been taking it on for the past 10 years, uh, mm -hmm. one of the owners at the Film Factory. And uh, he, you know, the OSIF throws festivals. They uh, So like, we have Indie Fest that comes around once a year. We have Horror Fest that's been going on for 10 years. And so it gives people an opportunity to um, make short films and then show them to people right. rather than just throwing them onto YouTube and only getting 10 views. It's like you can actually get it in front of a live audience. Yeah. So that's cool what OSIF does. And then they also have um, a big gear pool. So, um, they rent out their gear to uh, for half off to anybody that's an OSIF me member. Oh, so yeah, you get like a Sony A7 that's two hundred bucks, and now all of a sudden it's a hundred dollars a day, and you know you can go make your films. And they even go as far as having a script to screen, so you can pitch them your short film. Come, yeah, come festival season, and yeah. they'll pick one that they just give all the gear to for free, give you like 500 bucks for crafty and whatnot, and tell you just to go make a short film for it. So right, right. You want to know a secret? I do. 
Okay, so back in 2013, I actually, with my band, made my very first music video. Uh, and ever since then, my friends actually kept commenting, like, uh, telling me like I should join OSIF, I should join OSIF. So I actually did go onto that website. I actually did apply and became a member for like a year. <laughs> nice. Yeah. It's, it's great. It's you dope. Know, it's really cool. But like, um, I personally just wasn't like filmmaking isn't a number one passion for mine. Like mm -hmm. I really like doing it, but it's not a number one passion of mine. And so I just sort of like didn't do any, anything with it, which is unfortunate because they're such a wonderful resource. You know what I mean? But, um, but nah, I, yeah, I know of OSIF. I've been, I've actually been a part of it for a little, little bit, but I didn't do anything with it, but no, it's, it's really cool to see. It's also very natural to see that you've been a part of that too. Yeah. And I, and I hope OSIF does a, a better job of growing also and, and bringing in other artists. Cause that's one of the beautiful things about filmmaking is you have like musicians that can be brought into the circle and painters who can be like working on set deck and then, mm -hmm. and then you have your film makers and so um like i said it's had an up and down history of participation yeah. from from people so uh, it'd be nice to see them grow that side of it of it right 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 what what do you find is your typical role that you usually often play with uh, on film sets and stuff like that um on the bigger film sets that i've worked on um i've always been a second ac right, uh, right. so you're the guy setting up cameras cleaning lenses running around for the rest of the camera department to make sure all like you know they're able to do their job successfully right. and then uh at the end you're the guy that holds the slate and yells out scene you know 204 take one marker and then he hit the slate and so <laughs> everybody knows that about second acs but yeah 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 very sick what does marker mean when you hit slate uh it's just like a, a vocal cue for sound to know that you can basically see that that spike in oh. the audio as soon as the clapper hits yeah. hits on camera and so and then you can sync the audio with video in post and okay yeah. okay yeah instead of just clapping instead like of clapping of yeah, exactly. yeah yeah okay that makes sense okay um uh and what would you what, what is your ultimate dream when it comes to like being on set like what do you ultimately want to be uh, in charge of, or what role do you want when you're finally like at your peak, I suppose, in your mm -hmm. career? Yeah, I think I'm naturally uh, gravitating towards directing yeah. and being a director. Uh, that's always kind of been the goal. Right. Um, and I think that's the goal for most filmmakers when they start making films and then they get into, you know, the industry and they learn, oh, there's producers and there's cinematographers. And, and you know, uh, so I, for me, I'm still not 100% sure. Like, I do do a lot of my own shooting, and I do really like producing as well and kind of figuring out the logistics side of, of getting a, a project figured out. Um, but I think naturally directing is where I'm gravitating towards. Right. That makes sense. Are you So since you're working on all these other projects, do you have time to work on your own short films and things like that currently too? Yeah, definitely. Um, I, not without a bunch of help and people pushing me to, to get them done. Right. Uh, so I have a coworker named Noah at the Film Factory, uh, Arc Films on Instagram, shout out. And oh. uh, he he recently kind of pushed me to get a short film done and he acted as the producer and basically lined up the whole crew, lined up the cast and just heard my idea and ran with it. So, right. um, without help like that, um, I, right now I'm working on so many things. It's hard to get my own short films done, but yeah. with somebody like him, who's willing to do that and push me and then, you know, you do get something out there at the end of the day. Right, right, right. I interviewed TMS productions and those yeah. guys are more of a, you, uh, sorry, a YouTube based, uh, production crew or, or filmmakers. Right. And, but you seem to be more of a traditional sort of film type uh angle is that would you say that's about accurate 
Uh, yeah, I think so. And it's not by design by any means. It's mm-hmm. just by the opportunities that I've been given and, and my skill set at the time. Right. Um, I, 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 I've heard of TMS and I've seen a lot of their stuff and they're doing like wicked, wicked stuff. Those uh, guys are so sick. So talented, man. Yeah. I saw that Sam Calder video they did. Yeah. And the yeah, part yeah. in the van where like the helicopter, uh, it's supposed to be a <laughs> helicopter. It was just so funny. And so yeah. I reached out to those guys. I was like, yo, you guys are doing some really cool stuff. And, uh, yeah, yeah I didn't, I didn't really do that kind of stuff right away or at least if i did do anything i didn't really post it right um so uh all my main experience has been working as a crew member on film sets and and kind of carrying around c-stands cleaning lenses yeah doing all the nitty-gritty stuff so right you know today is like a very like like this era of of technology that we're in is so interesting because filmmaking used to be such a expensive and you know time intensive uh endeavor which it still is it's very time intensive but not as much as before right like before we had like film actual tape that we used to film on and record the audio onto and now it's all digital right Mm -hmm. with like sd cards and just you know whatever so um do you think that uh like would do you see yourself eventually like moving on to youtube at all for your directorial sort of uh venture that you want to take yeah, it's a good it's a good question. Um I personally like if it for the directorial career path that I'd want to go to, yeah. I mean it'd be wherever the money's at, honestly, right. where wherever you're able to get that funding to make a film and then have it be able to distribute it and and have it be um a successful project. You know, uh YouTube is starting to put out like it looks like TV shows and and probably feature-length films and right. then, but then you also have like outlets like Netflix and whatnot. Yeah. So it really depends on where the industry goes in that term yeah uh, definitely for the time being though anything i'm working on is usually going on vimeo or youtube or instagram so yeah yeah yeah. that's totally fair that's totally fair when it comes to like you on instagram you're just so like low-key you yeah. know <laughs> you don't really show like your face too too often it's often the work that you show which is you know commendable because you obviously i know you were saying before we actually started doing the microphones uh you wanted to let your work speak for itself and obviously you know with your resume that you have so far you have like really crazy crazy work done already you know like living machines wesley snipes and rare breed so that's pretty crazy um but how did you get involved with uh, the wesley snipes vr film <laughs> yeah um that's a crazy story kind of i uh had just started working at the film factory building that shed and um I was lucky enough that this company called Mind, Mind's Eye Productions right. uh, had decided to make six feature-length films in the Okanagan. Um, and so they're based out of Saskatchewan, and Saskatchewan cut their film tax credits, and so they had to basically move their production company out here. Oh. Um, and so they were asking around for crew, and um, I had worked on a couple of commercials at that point as a PA, a production assistant, so you'd like take garbage bags out and and set up crafty so people can have their food and their coffee run coffees for people that sort of thing and uh so so i got recommended to be a pa on that set um called the recall with wesley snipes and rj Mitty. and uh so i was building the shed in the back of the film factory and kelly who's the go-to first ac he's a, that's like a focus polar on set kind of the manager of the camera department yeah um he got a call saying that the go-to second AC, see, Kelowna is such a small town, so our crew base is like you can pretty much only have enough crew for one film at a time right? without having to fly people out from Vancouver and Saskatchewan and L.A. in order to fill the, 
all the extra roles if you want to make multiple productions here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so the go-to second AC was from Kelowna was down in the U.S. shooting a DJ documentary. Oh. So there was just like no second ACs here in the Okanagan or in Kelowna at that time. Yeah. And so he was just like, well, I've got this kid here who clearly can work hard and I've worked on a couple short films as like a camera assistant. So he was just like, do you want to be a second AC now on this set? So I just went from being like a PA to being in the camera department and being a second AC. Yeah. And, um, yeah oh man i could ramble on about this story for so keep going, long keep going <laughs> so and then i showed up and and uh we're we're doing camera prep and i'm like so so nervous like i've, ne- I've never really worked with anything other than a dslr at that point and uh, i walk into the camera department and there's all these dudes from uh, la and seattle and they have three red dragons all on one tripod head yeah and so i'm like that's crazy i've never seen that before and they informed me that we're going to be testing out this uh technology called barco um i get yeah barco and so you could walk into a barco theater and there'd be three screens and there'd be the one in the middle and then there'd be two that wrap around up the sides of the theater so okay. that you're like immersed within the film yeah and so these cameras were on the tripod head and basically the one camera in the middle was uh shooting the middle screen and then the two cameras on the side were shooting the images that were going to come up on the sides of the theater right and so so this was like part of being in the Okanagan is they were able to um, to test out this brand new technology because you can make a film for much cheaper here yeah. uh, due to tax credits and stuff. So they wanted to test out this this new technology. And I'm like, great, this is the first feature film I've ever been on. We've got this brand new test going on. You're like, I'm way over my head is what I'm thinking. <laughs> Yeah, and so that we we chilled up at Silver Star for for a month. We fi- I figured out on my way driving over to to Silver Star um, through the radio that Wesley Snipes was going to be the the um, star on this film. And I'm like a huge Marvel fan, so I loved Blade growing up. So I'm just like freaking out, like fist pumping in my car on my <laughs> way over to set. <laughs> and so uh, so uh, we shot up there for a month in like in the forest, and it was it was a gong show but it was a great learning experience and um due to us doing these camera tests they also wanted to uh um do a, a vr test and so it was actually the first feature film in uh canada to have a virtual reality aspect to it whoa and uh this uh they flew this guy out from uh seattle named chris as a steady cam operator and he had worked on like a bunch of macklemore music videos and stuff like that so Sick. i was like super interested to get to know him and uh he he showed up, and since it's VR, um, the camera was supposed to be from RJ Mitty's perspective. He right. the, plays the son in Breaking Bad. Okay. Um, and so it's supposed to be from his perspective. This Chris dude ended up being like six foot four or something crazy like that. So then you'd, you'd, you'd have him, and then you'd put the camera rig on top, and the, the VR camera would sit on his head. So then it's at like seven feet at that point or something stupid, and the perspective's all off because RJ Mitty's like six foot, let's say. Yeah. And so they're like, this guy's way too tall to operate this camera. Like, what are we going to do? Yeah. And they just like look over, and they see like me kind of running up a hill with like a with a monitor for the director, like a couple C-stands and like camera lenses and backpack, and I'm just like running up this hill to get it to set. <laughs> and they're like, oh, Jordan looks like he's working hard and can you know hold a decent amount of weight or at least hold this uh this uh, vr rig yeah and so, and so they were like yo jordan do you want to come out on saturdays and shoot this virtual reality film for us and so i was just like Pff. like all i have to do is handle hold the camera and pretend to be rj Mitty. and so all of a sudden you know it just this whirlwind of a, of a uh, first film set and i'm like like sitting with the actors pretending to be rj Mitty's character and getting thrown up against a truck by wesley snipes and he's screaming into this camera right above me and <laughs> it's it was a wild experience like no way yeah. 
That's crazy. What was it like meeting Wesley Snipes? Uh, so he he showed up on set for only three out of the twenty days. Okay. Um. So I I didn't really get a, a opportunity to like chat with him all that much or really get to know him. But he was like a super respectful dude. He he showed up on set like as obviously the star. So there's like a certain amount of uh, like. I don't know authority that comes with that. Yeah, but he still took it out of his out of his uh, his time out of his day to go and shake the hands of every single crew member, introduce himself. Uh, we got like a funny story because uh, he came up and he shook my hand, and I was just like, uh, "My name is Jordan." He goes, "Big Jordan, nice to meet you, my man." <laughs> and so they, everybody called me Big Jordan after that, even though I'm like the skinniest dude on set. So oh, that's so funny. Yeah, he was yeah he was wicked. I mean, he had a couple cool stories to tell as well, but. Damn, that's insane. Yeah. Uh, by the way, my friend Jesse Nelson actually worked on that. He was second AD. Yeah, dude. I know Jesse Nelson super well. He he worked at uh at Ford when I was working at Subaru, and now we're both in the film industry. So it's just this cool coincidence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you obviously know Jesse and the whole car bomb cast and like <laughs> yep. how they do their extra life stuff every year. Yeah. Yeah, that's sick. I was actually gonna be there uh, for that for like this year's one, but I had to go to India, so I. I couldn't make it, but Fair that would have been sick. Yeah, I'm, they I'm, do that at the factory as well. Yeah, yeah, I know. They do it in that white room. Uh, yeah, that white room is, like, iconic here. And, like, <laughs> yeah. every time I see, like, an all-white music video, I'm just like, oh, I, I know what this is. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's crazy. That's so sick, though. And is do you find that, um, do you find that, like, the way that you got into all those, like, feature films is very much the same that you got involved with like local music videos and stuff like that too like the living machines one or like how do you often get those opportunities yeah i mean i used to just call it luck in a certain sense but okay. i'm starting to I, now i kind of believe that luck is when hard work meets opportunity that's what i like that's to right say, so yeah and i'm sure i've heard that quote from someone that's i'm just stealing it now i've heard that from casey neistat was it Kay, i thought maybe it was gary v but that makes sense yeah well i mean gary v and casey are honestly like pretty similar yeah you know yeah so it could have been either or yeah. But yeah, so it's just like working hard and then an opportunity comes up and just say yes to it. And mm-hmm. so um, all my music video stuff, I mean, like I said, my dad was a, a wanting to be a rock star drummer and still is a rock star drummer, <laughs> you know. Yeah. But uh, so I always loved music and um, music videos in particular. So I, I just did tried my hardest to meet as many people who were making music and needed music videos. Right, right. That makes a lot of sense, man. Yeah. That's so sick. Yeah, that's so sick. Um, okay, and uh, speaking of going, I just want to go back into like Gary V and stuff like mm-hmm. that, right? Um, so clearly, uh, he's he's you know huge on YouTube, huge on Instagram, like social media. He like kills that game. Um, who would you say are your influences out of YouTube that you really look up to, if you have any? Yeah, um, I mean, all, all my YouTube stuff is like the Joe Rogan podcast or Gary yeah. V. Yeah. Um, so just more like informational stuff. Right. Like I, I really like listening to, to interviews and, and kind of picking out what I hear a lot of the same of. Yeah. So if I hear something said like three times by multiple different successful people, like I make a note of it. Right. I'm like, okay, clearly there's something there. So like Hollywood Roundtable, for example, they every year around the Oscars, they bring in like a producer's panel and you'll have people like Seth Rogen and Ridley Scott and, and all that. And they, they, you know, talk about their experiences. So, uh, a lot of that stuff, I mean, and then just the basic, like Sam Colder and, and Peter McKinnon, you know, yeah, just, yeah, yeah. just for inspiration and to see what those guys are up to, because they're obviously kind of the, on the forefront of that and, and Casey Neistat as well. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But 
Yeah, I don't know. All my YouTube stuff is like finding music videos. Yeah. Right? Like I yeah, just yeah. always look at what the newest music video is. And so um, in, in terms of that, like guys like Tyler, the creator, is super inspiring. Mm -hmm. um, Travis Scott right now is super inspiring. Dude, he's killing, killing it with Astro it, World. Yeah. Killing it. It's just such a unique idea. And like, the, so the gorillas also growing up, like yeah. I loved that concept of like creating your own world within a music world. Yeah. You know? And so it's, to see that on this scale now with like visual albums coming out and, and and Astro World, like it's just it's so dope. So yeah, what are your favorite music videos? Oh man, that'd be so hard to to pick. Like, pick pick like uh, maybe top three of this year. Yeah. I mean, uh, Shoulder Bag by Rare Breed, number one for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just put in that plug in there real plug. quick. <laughs> uh, but uh, I don't know, maybe like. Uh, I mean, uh, ASAP Rocky has been killing it with his music videos. So, oh um, yeah, he just put out one. Yeah, ASAP yeah. Forever. When that first came out, that was like my favorite music video at the time. Um, so that's got to be on there. <laughs> yeah, and then yeah, I don't know. It's so tough. There's so many good good ones that come to mind. Yeah, I, I like a lot of the music videos that have like a, a storyline to it, or or like some cinematic kind of. Um, story you can you can be attached to so right. i'm sure there's one out there that that i if you were to say it i'd be like yeah that's it but yeah yeah do you um, remember when yonkers came out back a few years wait, ago yeah like, tyler like, the creator for sure dude how insane was that it's, like that just like changed so much uh, yeah and it's just crazy to see where he's at now also yeah from, from like that growth yeah, it, it kind of almost like seemed like he went from like this very opposite of what his character actually is to like fully blossoming into this like very artsy, very like I'm into flowers and bees and wearing pink and stuff like that. Like that's sick. I honestly like a lot of people that I know think that older Tyler, the creator, like Goblin era and Bastard is like the way to be. Like they thought that that was the best kind of shit. But I personally think that like Flower Boy and like Cherry Bomb and like that stuff. I think that's way better than anything he's done before. I think it's sick. Yeah, to me, it just seems like he he's grown up and he's evolved. And I think we can all relate to that. It's like you're a different person when you're 18. So when you're 23 or 25 or 30. So yeah, that that's what his transformation has been to me. Yeah, I think it's important for artists to evolve like that. I, I, I start to lose interest when artists stay the same for a bit too long, you know? Yeah, I agree. Yeah, yeah. You see that in actors and things, too. Like, Jonah Hill, he's really, like, grown. Yeah, dude. Like, man, it's crazy. Right in front of the world. He went from, like, you know, <laughs> he went from, like, super bad <laughs> yeah. to mid-90s. Uh, like, <laughs> I know. It's so sick. I haven't seen mid-90s yet, but I can already tell it's going to be one of my favorite movies. Yeah. You know, it, it just seems like he's so passionate about it. Yeah. And that's what's cool also is he's like, he's talking about how he's a big hip hop fan and stuff yeah. growing up. And so he's not doing all of his, you know, movie promotion on like, e, or at least I don't know, but E Entertainment, it seems like, like he's going on to radio shows like, yeah, and yeah, yeah. doing his promotions. He, he was on like the Breakfast Club promoting yeah. it. He was like, in like hip hop alleys mostly. He was like, it was almost like he was promoting like, um, like an album drop yeah you know for it was sure. crazy i know i'm waiting for him to go on the no jumper podcast about <laughs> <the> film. <laughs> yeah 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 yeah. at this point though the film is out of theaters now so yeah uh, which sucks i wish i could have seen it but um by the time it came back from india it was already gone so it's like pfft, shit yeah you know damn i have to wait I, apparently january 19th is the uh release date for home release yeah i'm sure so. it'll be on netflix also yeah 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 i hope so man that would be that that would generate a lot of cash for 
everybody involved. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, by the way, I just want to go back to, like, my personal favorite music videos. For sure. Um, 2016 would have been Nikes by Frank Ocean. I just okay. loved the visuals. It was so raw, yeah. and it was just so visceral. Just all the, everything that you got, like, a lot of, a lot of, uh, Music videos portray sex in very much the same way, and it's like very surface level. But the way that like Frank Ocean had that music video just so close up to everything, mm-hmm. he had like it was just so raw and visceral. It was like it was it, he did a really great job at portraying emotion in that. And then the next one, 2017, my favorite music video then was Magnolia by Playboy Cardi. Okay. Such a sick music (laughs) video. It's like all of these different techniques that they used in that video to like show transitions and all these different effects that they had. It was just like, it was peak for me. Like when I saw the music video, it coupled with the song perfectly. And Magnolia, the song is amazing. Mm -hmm. Like the way that those, the beat sounds and everything, just like, it just sounds so psychedelic. And it's just like, it's like my walls are melting and, it, and that music video just captured that so well it was crazy oh my god and you know how like in music videos they'll often have the title just play at the beginning but magnolia had it play like in the middle of the mm-hmm. song it's like just magnolia flashing in big white letters and uh man i was just like that's genius it's so genius yeah. it just seems so like confident you know what i mean amazing i love that shit that to me is so good i don't think i've gotten a favorite of 2018 yet but yeah how's 2018 been for you though good man um my my role at the film factory and and with rare breed has grown a lot mm-hmm. yeah. uh, so i haven't been doing many of the feature films that have uh, come into town mm-hmm. um which is kind of unfortunate it's always fun to be able to tell stories and show like behind the scenes videos and stuff like that of all the crazy film stuff that goes on um but it's it's encouraged me to be almost more entrepreneurial and like yeah. build my own brand and and like who i am as a as an artist more yeah. so uh yeah, I don't even know where to start. 2018's been a crazy year. Yeah, tell tell me, man. Yeah, like, I mean, let like, us know. I guess I'm trying to think. I, oh, I guess at the beginning of 2018, I did uh, Daughter of the Wolf in January. So that was a, a feature film with uh, Gina Carano. Okay, uh, she's like a MMA fighter, or used to be an MMA fighter, and she, oh, she's in sick. like um, Deadpool. Oh she's, no way! Yeah, she's the girl that like does the superhero landing and in, uh, in, in Deadpool and like punches the one dude in the in the, in the dick. Oh, <laughs> yeah, the, okay, yeah. sick. <laughs> I don't know if that if you remember that scene or not, but yeah, yeah first Deadpool, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. I've seen that. Yeah, yeah I've seen what, her do what's that. What's her name? Yeah. That Duchess or something? Maybe I don't remember. I don't, I don't know. She's, yeah, she was cool though to work with, and uh, we were up in like. Um, we were up in the in the mountains just shooting in the snow and they brought all these uh live wolves on yeah. set for that one so for a month like you know you're working with these wolf trainers who are pretty much like werewolves in my opinion like i wouldn't be surprised if those dudes howled the moon into wolves <laughs> themselves <laughs> what, what was that like uh, it was cool man just to like there's all these like procedures and whatnot that you have to you have to follow along in order to to be around these wolves. Like you're not allowed food on set, and uh, when they are bringing them on, you have to everybody has to like stand still. And there's always as little people as possible on set when when they're working. Um, but they had like maybe twelve wolves, all ranging in in size and and stature. And there was this one called Cain, which was like. I can't even remember how much he weighed. He was, oh yeah, he was like three of me or something like that. Like he was like, I don't even know, something crazy. Uh, But seeing an animal like that so up close that's meant to be wild, you know, is just like, 
I don't know. It's it's unexplainable. Like there's just so much. I, yeah, I can't even explain it. Like, oh I'm my god! Yeah, it was just it, you just got to see these animals like, and and they're in their natural environment in a sense, and they're supposed to act like wild wolves and whatnot. But then luckily you have these wolf trainers around that kind of keep them under control, and and yeah. then there's all these safety procedures put in place to work with them. But right. I, I mean, like wolves were always my favorite animal growing up. So for me, it was just so cool to see them like run and just how powerful they were. Yeah, what's yeah. it like seeing that? Given that we've all obviously seen dogs, domesticated mm-hmm. dogs for like years. What was it like seeing a wolf just like do that comparatively? Yeah, the the wolf was definitely. I mean, I'm no bi- biologist or anything like that so, so <laughs> i don't know either, <laughs> the, the, i mean the wolf was just like it's it, it was it was a predator like mm-hmm. you could tell just the way that it stalked and and it moved and ran it just it was just so much lean muscle to it then it, yeah. it hasn't been like sitting at home and eating table scraps for forever you know it's eating like actual wild elk and shit like that and so Ooh. but at the same time like the the there was this other wolf that they had that like the guy has trained it since it was a pup and and he can take it to like dog park jesus yeah so it was oh cool man God. I mean, there's so much cool stuff that you get to be involved with by by even being a crew member on movies like that like we flip cars and and explode them and there's dudes jumping off of like mountains and snowmobiles and in, in that film like just just wild stuff and that was the beginning of year 2018, huh? Yeah, yeah, that was, first, <laughs> that was January 2018. Oh, that's so sick. Damn, that's so sick. Okay, uh, okay, moving on. Yeah, uh, next part of 2018. Uh, next part of 2018. I mean, there's always so much stuff going on at the film factory that, like, it's just kind of project to project for me at this point. Like, right. I did a lot of wine club stuff, and so, like, meeting winemakers around here in the Okanagan was really cool and learning about that industry and, and interviewing them. Yeah. Um, so that was cool. Uh, the next thing that pops into my mind was our, our first trip down to L.A. with Rare Breed. And obviously, Rare Breed takes up a huge amount of time also. Like, we're constantly shooting, and they're constantly making music. Yo, so. those guys are so busy. Yeah. Damn. Yeah. So uh, that almost feels like project to project at a certain point as well. But we, we hit L.A. for the first time and met um, a producer down there and a manager that the, the boys are working with. And, uh, so that was kind of a surreal experience, like walking into the, their, their house with this huge recording studio in the basement. And there's like, you know, plaques on the wall with like ice cube and Tupac and like, it was pretty funny. I like pointed out the, the Pokemon one soundtrack in the back. I was like, yo, you worked on Pokemon one. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, what the fuck? He's like, I guess (laughs) that's what I noticed. That's so funny. Always be you, Jordan. Always be you. (laughs) So I thought that was, uh, but so that was such a cool experience going down there for the first time and just, it was the first time, like, we all knew each other in high school, but um, it was the first time that we all kind of stayed in the same place and, and really got to, like, bond over what we were doing. It felt like, for me at least. So uh, that was dope. And then summer came around. Like, this summer was really, all, from that moment on to the last L.A. trip, it was pretty much all rare breed for me this summer, just yeah. from center of gravity to the shows they were doing and the music videos we were making and planning. And so... Um, yeah, they they hit center of gravity and did some night shows at uh, Sapphire afterwards, which was dope. Yeah, yeah, and then, yeah. Uh, yeah, we hit L.A. again in um, September there and shot the shoulder bag music video, which was a, a trip on its own. Yo, that shoulder bag video got so many views. Yeah, yeah, man, that like crazy for yeah yeah that's so fucking crazy. How did you wait? You know what? How did you get involved with Rare Breed in the first place? Uh. Same thing as what we were talking about at the beginning. I was just 
trying to figure out who was doing shit in town and um for you popped up on my on my feed just through uh knowing the guys at OCAM and whatnot. Yeah. Well actually crazy story is um one of my first ever film gigs was um shooting OKM's grade twelve um fashion show. Okay. When my sister was graduating, so back in 2013, right, and uh, Cameron Ambrosio uh, happened to be the host of that fashion show, oh. and so I was I was up there filming, and he was like, you know, he was really acting at that point and almost putting on like a, a theater performance, but he was just like walking you through this almost like Bill and Ted yeah. style thing, and I was like, dude, this guy is crazy talented, like, and just kind of made a note in the back of my head that uh, that he was a talented dude like that, and I actually started working with Dez um, first out of uh, out of that because he came up and he rapped and i was like oh maybe this guy wants a music video and so that's what really started my hip-hop kind of music video stuff locally um but so that was the first time i saw cam do stuff and then when he i heard that he was making music i took listen and then i knew jordan ambrosio and ryan samer from bna uh because i'm a big craft beer fan so i was always going there and trying out the beers and stuff so i just reached out to them and i was like uh, hey, I've got all this stuff at the film factory going on, and like I have some experience make, uh, with like filmmaking and whatnot. Uh, maybe I can help you guys out. And so we met for for uh, a beer over at Central. They thought I was gonna like be like, yeah, film factory is gonna cost this much, and you know, cam rentals are gonna cost this much. Right. But I was really just like, no, I want to help. Like I just want to help you guys out and and support you know you doing your your thing. And so our relationship just kind of grew from there. I started uh, shooting photos for them at at shows whenever Booter couldn't show up. Brandon Boot who's an amazing photographer as well. Um, and yeah, our relationship just kind of grew from there. Oh, I see. I see. Very cool. Yeah, no, like I've been, I was looking at your timeline and it was very much like, here's one project, here's a different project, here's a picture of me every so often. And then boom, uh, just a giant block of rare breed stuff. And I was like, wow, this guy's like really, really invested. And uh, it just seems really cool because those guys seem to be like, really blowing up right now Mm -hmm. you know what i mean like those guys just constantly seem to be going to la at this point they're constantly just going back and forth i saw them perform live at the teon gibbs show you were there obviously yeah right yeah yeah no that was that was a fun show eh? amazing show yeah 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 they played they played one of what was uh what was the song nowhere they played nowhere yep. that's my favorite rare breed song yeah it's a, cool. it's a good song man yeah, yeah that was the first music video we shot in la also was, oh was really nowhere, so it's a it's appropriate it's like very much like that la vibe yeah 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 that's friggin cool that's yeah. super sick yeah no and i think i did get super invested in rare breed right off the bat because um it's nice uh, i think at the time i was looking for just a creative outlet and so i was just looking for a group of people that i could just like do shit with mm-hmm. and they had that model of releasing a song like every two weeks and then jordan ambrosio was like i want to release a vlog once a week and so we want to get photos every week and i was like cool these guys are just like giving me that opportunity to to be creative and constantly work on my craft and so i think that's why um i got so invested so quickly is that they were just always doing something and i had the opportunity to be a part of that right that makes sense mm-hmm. yeah that's good that's really good man and like it allows you to flex your talents and also grow from it as well because i'm sure with every single gig that you get from those guys uh it allows you to learn something new and it creates a new opportunity for yourself yeah exactly yeah. and yeah. and it's amazing when you link up with a crew like that um i feel like the projects we're working on are only going to get better and better because we, you know, grow closer and closer and, and, you know, feel more comfortable, um, Mm -hmm. 
criticizing each other in certain sense also and pushing oh. each other to be better and being yeah. like and like bouncing ideas off each other it's just that that trust is there now so right that's important too because you don't in a in a creative team you don't want to have like an echo chamber that just says the same shit over and over and it just doesn't have any it doesn't become sensible right like to have like an actual group of people that are able to uh, constructively criticize each other, I think is important because it takes away from the fluff, you know? It just allows them to be like a lean working machine, you know? Absolutely. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Yeah, yeah. You know, at this point, it seems like you're eventually just going to become a member of Rare Breed too. <laughs> <laughs> I, I pretty much am at this point. I think I'm in the seven, so. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's hilarious. Yeah. Damn, those guys have so many members in their in their team now too. Yeah, there's lots of us for sure. Yeah, it's sick. I, I really want to get those guys here. Um, I haven't hit them up just yet. Uh, you're actually the first actual interview that I've done since I've gotten back from India. Um, I just I just recovered from bronchitis. And so I'm just trying to like get my health back in check and get my sort of like schedule back in order. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, readjusting to life has been a little nuts for me over this last week or so. So yeah. Um, but in terms of like future plans, what do you have coming up? Uh, do you have any particular plans coming up for like the end of 2018 or like the ongoing thing in 2019? Yeah, I want to, um, so I have a short film that's in pre-production right now, um, that I'm hoping to put a bow tie on and release pretty soon. Right. Um, so working on that, uh, I want to get another short film done before, um, the end of 2018. So shoot here in, in December. Um, so I'm working on that. And then, uh, just through more crazy opportunities, I had, um, the opportunity to act at the at the beginning of one of the films that came came into town here. Oh, very uh, cool! And so um, that was just a cool opportunity. I wasn't expecting to be handed to me. So um, I'd like to get in front of the camera and just uh, give give a shot at some acting stuff as well. So right, yeah. right, and a lot of writing. Like I'm trying to write a lot more. Scripts, and, and, yeah, scripts, and just get like through a, even just a story a day, whether it be a paragraph or whatever. Like I'm just trying to do that more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What do you? What are your um, genres that you write in your short? films now yeah do, do they vary or are they very much the same style they they always end up being the same style and i think it needs a lot of work mm. on because uh i've always been uh, attracted to like superhero films and whatnot but um right. also uh kind of like old crime films okay so like guy Ritchie, like lock stock and two smoking barrels and snatch and then like any martin scorezi film you can you can imagine uh christopher nolan like some of his early work yeah classic uh, and quentin tarantino oh yeah so, so like i what's crazy is they all have like their unique voice and i think i need to work on on mine and that's why i'm trying to write so much but uh just due to budget and and what's possible to shoot right now i've i'm trying to hand it like uh some kind of uh crime comedy stuff similar to what guy Ritchie had going on yeah that's fair man yeah. that's totally fair um and do you want do you see yourself like eventually creating like what is your dream project that you have oh yeah no i've, I've got a dream project for sure that uh stems from my my days as a mechanic and so uh oh. yeah i i mean it's a it's a big goal and so i try not to say it until it's uh until it's it's possible right um but essentially it's like i always describe it as if uh fast and furious met a quentin tarantino film like a quentin tarantino directed fast and furious oh yeah. okay okay and you, you'd only get one of them there's not gonna be 10 <laughs> so that's the that's the goal okay sounds sick yeah hell yeah um do you have any particular like date that you want to have that done by or when you want to plan like start working on it 
Yeah, I mean, I've always, I'm always working on it, like, um, but it's too hard to say. Like, you hear Jonah Hill talking about mid '90s, like that was three years of rewrites on on the script, and True. so that's probably like the idea being in his head for almost ten years, maybe or, or five years. Uh, so it's hard to say. Like, I, I don't want to put a date on it necessarily, right? Uh, but saying that, like, as soon as possible. Like yeah, a, you know, like as soon as the opportunities are there, and then I'm gonna try and take them. So right, okay, fair. What is your favorite movie of all time? Yeah, I, I had a feeling that was gonna be asked, and uh, <laughs> I don't, I don't fully know. I mean, when I, whenever that question gets asked to me, I always pick the film that made me decide to quit my job at Subaru and be like, "You're just gonna do filmmaking," right? And it made me be like, "Oh, I want to make a movie like this one day," uh-huh. and that was uh, the first Guardians of the Galaxy. Seeing oh. that in theaters, I was just like, I was entertained the whole way through. Like, there's action, there's comedy, there's you know drama, there's there's just everything there for me, and so I was, I was like. If one day I can make a film like that, and then I'm going to say I've made it, you know? Yeah, okay. Okay. The thing about movies like that is they need to be compelling stories, mm-hmm. right? Like, the, like visuals is one thing. The gear is one thing. Like, everything is one thing. But story is the most compelling piece of anything, whether it be a photo, whether it be a song, whether it be, like, a, a music video or a full feature-length movie, the story is what draws people in and that, and leaves them at the end going, like, wow, that was amazing, mm-hmm. you know? So I think that... Um, I think that, uh, you know, I, I, I'm confident in you, man. Like, if, if, you can, if you can, like, get your story writing, like, on point, I feel like you got it, man. Yeah, I hope yeah. so, and I appreciate that. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's why I'm working on it, because I, yeah. I agree, story is king at the end of the day. You can, mm-hmm. you can look at some projects, and they'll be shot on Sony Handycams or GoPros, and if the story's there, it, it doesn't matter. Obviously, like, cinematography is, is important, and, mm-hmm. it's, and it's such a huge part of the filmmaking process, and when you have guys like Chivo making The Revenant, well, then obviously, like, that's what you should strive for if you can. Yeah, yeah. But, at the end of the day, story's king, and like it has to be written on script and have it down on paper first. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Like for me, like the, my favorite films are are the ones that have the most compelling stories. You know what I mean? Like The Wolf of Wall Street. Just <laughs> yeah. every time I see that film, my palms get sweaty, and I just my eyes just like go right into the screen. It's yeah, like man. my living room doesn't exist anymore, and I'm just like, like oh my god, I get so hyped on that movie, yeah, dude. That's such a good <laughs> film. Uh, yeah, you could turn that on and just watch it back to back. Yeah, it's like again. I've never done drugs before, but I feel like that's what <laughs> cocaine is like when I watch that <laughs> yeah, film. Probably. Like it's so insane insane <laughs> yeah i just love that film oh, and to and to know that it's like based on a real life thing mm-hmm. a real life story it's just mind-blowing like man what a life yeah and yet That's... again the acting on that is just so unreal from mm-hmm. leonardo dicaprio jonah hill like yeah oh yeah it's just it's amazing you believe that they're those characters yeah they do a great job yeah. and like jonah hill with those teeth like you <laughs> yeah, you totally believe what they're doing absolutely you know man it's so wild i just love that shit yeah it's so sick yeah it's i so can crazy. imagine and that's what's so funny to me about filmmaking is like you never have a job where you just get a hundred people into like an office building like that and they're all just like they're like partying and they're probably doing like there's probably people actually doing coke on set just to get involved <laughs> with that stuff so you think so oh yeah i'm sure maybe it's not like open and and like you know, it's not like there's a bowl of cocaine and crafty or anything like yeah. that. But I definitely there's somebody out there in the extras like just wiling out. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> totally. Man, actors can be like a really like different breed of people, oh, yeah. you know, like when you see um, 
Joe Rogan talk about actors. It's almost like they're like aliens, you know? Like, yeah. It's weird. It's the one issue I have with Joe Rogan, actually, is the way he talks about actors. And because I, I disagree. He, he's lots of time he goes and says that it's either like a mental illness that they've taken advantage of or that it's like a, a, a cry for attention that they just want and they figure out a way to, that that attention can then be a job for them and make them tons of money. And I, I just disagree. Like, I've worked with like what I, I hate name dropping and shit like that but I've, I've worked with wesley snipes nicholas cage christina ritchie john cusack rj mitty and then like tons of others that are on the come up and stuff like that and they've all been such genuine humble people yeah and like not attention seeking in the slightest yeah yeah you know well, at least the ones i've worked with yeah jesse nelson said the same thing like yeah. he's told me about the stories that he's had that he's had of working with different actors and actresses and yeah they all seem to be very generous and humble people yeah but then again though that's just sort of like seeing them on a professional side of things right for sure like i'm sure joe has had a lot more experience with knowing them on a more personal yeah. level with where like it's not a professional sort of setting but then again though yeah no you, you and he he lives in la also yeah. so it's like uh, even in my very small amount of time spent around in la and going to like those networking scenes is like yeah people are for sure full of himself down there like yeah there's definitely some kind of la vibe where it's like you have to uh you have to talk the talk more than walk the walk it seems like yeah which i don't i yeah but so maybe that he's coming from a different perspective than i am as well so mm -hmm. but True. um yeah no all actors are so so different and they all have their own unique process and but in my experience they've all been great people yeah 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 totally totally and i've um just through like going to concerts and stuff i've met a few like people and you know th like artists like the musicians that i've met they all seem like really chill people too yeah you know like um it's it's awesome like man it's such a wonderful world that we live in that we have such crazy characters that just happen to roam around the earth like that for like, sure like, yeah it's wild so wild but um yeah um oh yeah i wanted to ask you favorite gear what's your favorite gear that Ooh. you've worked with or that you own yeah shockingly i'm not much of a gearhead even though i run like a lot of the gear rentals at the film factory okay <laughs> like i so favorite gear i mean for me it's always been like lenses right like, like I, I can i really like learning about lenses and figuring out which ones give certain looks and and uh and lighting as well yeah um so i really like any led that you can just throw a battery on and kind of you know take out into into the middle of the woods or whatever and, and work with or just be out on the street and as but so so any t sort of cool lights like there's these re sky panels that i don't own the film factory doesn't own but i've seen them on set i think they're like twenty five thousand dollars a piece or something crazy like that but you can program in like lighting like lightning um effects so it looks like there's lightning coming through a window you can like program in like a fire effect so now all of a sudden it looks like there's this fire kind of like you know wow. off, off camera or or you can even just like put in whatever color you want and just like adjust that on set and so those lights just give you so much flexibility that i, I wish i could afford one but yeah that's insane yo technology nowadays is nuts yeah it's just, getting stupid yeah <laughs> it's getting crazy it's amazing it's amazing i can't even imagine like i've never been on a film set before but i, I can't even imagine what it'd be like to be on the set of like uh, a spider-man movie or an avengers movie oh, or yeah. like whatever like oh man There's so many dollars floating around on a set like that mm -hmm. it's just it's crazy 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, you know, Jesse was actually telling me about how on a film set, though, there's so much bureaucracy, right? Like, if let's say, for example, there's, like, a mess, right? Like, somebody spilled something, and there needs to be somebody there to clean it up. Nobody in the crew can clean it up, and there has to be somebody that's, like, paid to actually do it to go do that, because otherwise... Like that person, that like that's what their job is, right? If you if you were to clean that up, then they they'd be like, "Yo, that's my job. What the hell are you doing?" Right? Like, yeah. What do you what do you think of that? Yeah, I think in theory that's kind of correct. Like that's kind of what you're taught, but then um, at the same time, it's like people are individuals. I and so you know you see somebody struggling with with a bunch of c stands or whatever and just because you're not in the grip department doesn't mean if you know you're about to go have a coffee well shit i can go help that guy out and Mm -hmm. i think at the end of the day especially on like some of the smaller films we're working on like here in the okanagan they're not 50 million dollar budgets like in hollywood they're like 8 million which is still a lot of money but at the end of the day there it's a closer knit crew Mm -hmm. and i think over these six films that mind's eye has been making we've all gotten to know each other a lot more and so there is more like a work all on the same team that's let's get this done together but in theory it's like yeah you kind of are taught stick to your department and do your job and your job alone because at that point you're specialized and sometimes that's what you're being hired to do on a film set is you're supposed to be specialized and the best at that specific job so that you can all come together and create the director's vision totally yeah it's interesting i think it's got some grounds in it like it, it makes sense to be like just stick to your job that's the most efficient way possible mm-hmm. but at the end of the day there's rules uh, exceptions to the rule where it's like you can help out nobody's gonna yell at you for helping somebody else out or carrying a sandbag when you're not supposed to yeah that makes sense it also sorry it also stems from um like with camera department specifically it's like you don't come to the camera cart and start touching the camera gear because no, all of a sudden you, you need that piece of gear you need that like one little um you know extension for some part of the camera and you can't find it anymore and then like every second that you're wasting on set is costing money so yeah exactly that's part of it as well as it's like don't touch it because somebody might have left it there on purpose. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. What is the like technology that they typically use nowadays on multi-million dollar film sets? Like when it comes to say uh, camera gears, they're they're probably not using just your run-of-the-mill Canon SLR. They're probably using <laughs> red cinema cameras yeah. or cinema Canon cameras and things like that, right? Yeah. I mean, definitely on like any of the movies that you're going to see on Netflix or um, uh, up on in the theater is for the most part, I'd say probably eight out of 10 times shot on either an Artie mm-hmm. or um, a red. Okay. And specifically in, like their, their higher end cameras. So like the red AK helium mm-hmm. or like the Artie, um Alexa and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. You know who um, MKBHD is Marquez Brownlee? I don't think so. Oh, he's a technology uh, reviewer, technology oh, channel that I watch on YouTube. Maybe he had a Joe Rogan podcast, right? He did. Or, yeah, he did. Okay, I think I know who you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah. You know, all of his videos now are shot with a RED camera. Really? Every single one is shot in 8K. Wow. Yeah. I'm not For surprised. YouTube. Yeah, that's insane. Isn't that insane? Yeah. But it's, he's got the crispiest channel on all of YouTube. In my opinion, he's got he's got the best technology channel of all yeah. of YouTube. Well, and it's like what you were saying where gear and stuff earlier is it's becoming more accessible and even when we were in LA it was like 
around here you see guys on the street running around with sony a7-3s and like in la you're they're running around with like red scarlets or red epics and whatnot isn't that insane yeah it's just the the market down there is different than it is up here as well yeah 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 totally totally um and like you know casey neistat sort of brought the vlogging thing from like Mm -hmm. oh i'm just shooting my cell phone to like yeah i'm holding a giant full frame slr camera with me everywhere i go with a road mic on top yeah you know and then people are like okay casey well i could do it way better than you can and then you get like sam colder and then you get like peter mckinnon and then like it just it just goes crazy yeah you know competition's a good thing uh it could be really really stressful but do you think that like the film industry in Kelowna would work do you think it'd be beneficial if we included another whole film crew or if like let's say for example there was like another film factory opening up in Kelowna obviously it wasn't a film factory it it was a rival company do you think that would be beneficial to the film scene in Kelowna Um, or in the Okanagan I think generalized like yes Mm -hmm. obviously if the the more stuff going on here and the the more we can I mean the more crew 100 percent yeah like that's what's interesting is with when you're talking about like bigger crews you're not necessarily in competition with that whole crew you're more in competition with the people that are in your specific department right so so it's but like you said competition is good and it can breed people to better themselves so yes the crew for sure more crew would be good for the Okanagan as if like another studio similar to the film factory i mean it wouldn't be good for the film factory but probably locally it would be pretty good depending on who's running it right like if somebody's super talented and um ho- hopefully nice was running it and and really beneficial to the local community like the film factory is then yeah absolutely something like that would be good right 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 yeah totally totally i think so too um you know when you tell me oh in Kelowna, we can only have like one feature film being made at the time in Kelowna. Mm-hmm. it's like that kind of sucks because, yeah. you know, if we had more people coming in and more film crews to film here, then we would have more, uh, we'd have more, that much more revenue coming into our, into our city. You know? Absolutely. It's a, it's a catch 22 because, uh, you, you can get on set green, like mm-hmm. your first feature film or your first commercial and get trained here in the Okanagan pretty easily mm-hmm. and climb up pretty fast due to the opportunities that are here. But then the work's not necessarily here. So you piece to Vancouver yeah. and then it's like, Oh, well the work's not here, but in order to get the work here, you got to stay here. So it's like this really catch 22 that I don't quite know how to solve it. Um, it'll, it'll just have to come down to more productions, taking chances on the Okanagan and then mm-hmm. convincing that crew to stay here. Yeah, totally. Would you see yourself ever moving to another place for more work or for bigger, like just to get more pay or anything like that? Would you do that? Vancouver has been on my mind ever since I got into this industry. And, and, Mm -hmm. you know, I almost consider it daily of like, is Vancouver the move? And, um, I, for me, I personally, I would always like to, I think, live in the Okanagan and with today's technology, with, with the internet and, uh, and whatnot, it's easier to, to work with people outside of the Okanagan. And so like, if I could just travel and kind of use the Okanagan as my like home base, my HQ, that would be the goal. But, um, if it does come down to like, you need to be in Vancouver because this is where it's happening and this is where you're at, or you need to be in LA or Toronto or whatever, then, um, I would, I would make that move happily. Yeah. But the work would have to be there and the reasoning would have to be like, you have to be here. Like you can't be in the Okanagan. This isn't going to work. Yeah. 
Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I think that's actually a lot more viable nowadays than it would have been 10 years ago. You know what I mean? Totally. Because, you know, with technology being that much better, with the flights being cheaper, you know, you can actually like make your home base and sell yourself outside of Kelowna. And then if anybody needs you in Toronto, Vancouver, Dubai, you can do that. Mm-hmm. You can go all the way over there. Exactly. And then come back here and live the life that you want to live. It's it's really wonderful, the area, or it's really wonderful the time of year that we're at mm-hmm. or the era that we're at. I just love it. And honestly, I'm genuinely so interested in seeing where the world goes in the next 20 years. Oh, yeah. um, you know, 20 years ago, the concept of a cell phone that can take you onto the internet was just fucking unfounded. Founded, right sure. and so nowadays i'm just sort of like what's going to happen in 20 years from now and the rate of technology growth is just so exponential that it's just it, it, it i just can't wait i really can't wait i hope that i live to 120 or 150 just so i can see where technology goes uh, dude it, i'm 100 percent with you yeah like le- you. legit if i was able if the technology when i'm like 70 is around at the time where you can you know put yourself you know, infuse technology with yourself, like, you know, um, put your brain into something else to like live longer. I would do that just to see where technology goes. (laughs) You know, (laughs) yeah, you're going to plug me into the matrix guys. (laughs) I'm good to go. Yeah. I mean like, what am I going to lose here? You know, my whole body, but, (laughs) um, nah, but I'm, I'm legitimately very excited to see where it all goes. And like, I wonder where, like where films go in the next little while, you know, like where creativity takes everybody. Um, it's just, I think it's, we've never lived in a more exciting time than now totally i i totally agree and i used to always i, I joke about this because in high school i used to i would sit in like socials 11 and i'd be like man nothing i ever lived through is gonna like end up in this textbook one day probably and now i'm like you know five years later i'm like that's the dumbest thing i could have ever <laughs> thought like everything we're living through right now is gonna be in a textbook one day and people mm-hmm. are gonna look back on this era like holy shit yeah you know? and so um and that's what's so cool about yeah filmmaking with technology is like you didn't have red digital cameras kicking around and you didn't have sony ace or um ronin s's kicking around you mm-hmm. know so the, the with technology growing filmmaking is only going to be enhanced by it or at least you're just going to have more options you're going to have more flexibility and more creativity through yeah. technology yeah exactly i i just can't wait i i love it yeah um, it's gonna make things that are not as that it makes things that um for people that aren't technology like adept it'll make it much harder for them to keep moving forward with it but that just means like it gives people like you and me space to like move ahead then in front of all them right yeah. but we can but it's also a lot easier to learn those technologies so those people that may find it harder to uh work with technology it may make it easier for them to catch up to mm-hmm. like uh you or people that are even doing better you know yeah. people should never ever settle for uh less no at all they should always strive to people should strive to do better than what i'm doing i should strive better than i should strive for you know much higher than even what joe rogan is doing totally. even though like realistically speaking like i don't know how possible that is <laughs> but hey there, it, i i don't i don't think anybody should sell themselves short including no, you man you yeah. should never sell yourself short set set your goals high right yeah. that's what i always i mean the goal is to win an Oscar at some point. I mean, I don't know if I'll do it. Yeah. I, I believe that I can, or at least I believe I have the potential to, whether or not I do is a whole nother story. But um, yeah, I mean, set your goals high and, and you're bound to do something cool, at least along mm-hmm. the way. Yeah. Oh yeah, 100%. And you have no idea where like, you have no idea where it'll take you. Like in high school, you may have not had any idea that you were going to meet Wesley Snipes. Yeah, no clue. <laughs> He's going to shake your hand and say, Big Jordan, yeah, what's up? You know? Exactly. That's wild. Yeah. That's so sick. Um, 
Well, I don't really know if I have very much else to really say. I think I've said everything that I've wanted to. Um, Actually, I do have one thing for you. Do you have any questions for me? I have tons of questions for you, man. Yeah, I, shoot. I mean, shoot. Your when you went to India, I was following along with uh, with your Instagram there, and what I thought was so cool was the way that you kind of like described the culture and what you were seeing and experiencing. And to me, that was like like almost like taking your job as a podcaster to another level. And like you're almost emerging social media with documentary filmmaking with podcasting in that point and i just i don't know i i got it right away i was like this is something here and i think you should keep doing it thank you i appreciate i think that that was so dope and like especially when i was seeing like that chicken up on the on the (laughs) roof there that was like a a water tower or something yeah yeah like those are things that let me being here in the okanagan in the valley i've i've never experienced before or seen and so i was like this is awesome like i want to see more of that kind of stuff thank you i appreciate that you know people like you messaged me actually you did message me i remember this you were saying like yo that so sick to keep it up and that man i I felt like oh people are paying attention (laughs) hell yeah um i appreciate that and the reason why i started doing that was because i went to new york city but i just like poof like straight vanished almost because i didn't say very much when i left and so people coming back were saying to me like yo like where like what did you do what did you do in new york city like we have no idea and then by that time i was like oh well the time has passed and so to keep it much more current um I was like, okay, next trip, which is happening in like a few weeks from now, I'm going to totally document everything. And yeah, it turned out quite well. Yeah, I thought it was great. And uh, even how you did... uh the the ill chris interview at the backstage at the the black box i was like that's so like you don't see joe rogan getting out of his podcasting uh suite and to go do podcasts so yeah i don't know i just think there's something there and i'm interested to see if if that's on your horizon as well to to kind of almost be like a traveling podcast in a sense or at least have <laughs> that aspect into it where you could go behind stage and interview somebody or well, I really, really love doing it, yeah. you know, and it's just so exciting to meet people. You know, it, like throughout throughout my teenage years, as soon as I got out of high school, I just spent that time. I went to audio, audio engineering uh, school at Okanagan College to uh, because my mom was pressuring me so much to go to college and I didn't yeah. want to. But I took audio engineering, which was like an f- awesome thing to do. I'm so happy that I did it. And I spent that time also going to concerts everywhere. And I took the time to always just go backstage and like meet people that I admired, like Tyler, the creator, or just very recently JPEG mafia. Wow. And so, um, what I, what I thought was that like stuff that's just so natural to me, like going to concerts and meeting people and stuff like that. I want to take that and put it into something that I'm also trying to get off the ground, which is for the culture Canada. It just like meshed everything that I knew so well already together. And uh, I really appreciate you liking what I'm doing because it's so thrilling. You know, yeah. I love it. It, it, uh, it makes me feel really good about what I'm doing. And uh, yeah, no, I want to do that way, way more. It's, it's wonderful. I, it's just so, it's just so fulfilling to do that. Yeah, no, I thought it was so cool. Even just hearing him be like, yo golden, like, where was I at? And then like golden coming in and <laughs> for a little <laughs> bit, it just had such a natural feel to it. It yeah. Was cool. Yeah, and you know, uh, I actually had a crowd of people watching me oh, while really? I was doing it. It was so sick. <laughs> yeah, it's so it's it's crazy. It's like voyeurism almost. Yeah. Did that influence like your questions and whatnot? Because I didn't get 
that didn't come across to me like like the live audience really uh affected the podcast and no sense. no it didn't really it didn't really like change anything at all it was just sort of like i'm performing now but asking questions and talking to people is just something that you know all of us do naturally and so it doesn't make a difference to me that there's a crowd of people also one thing is that i also worked at best buy for like five years right, right. and so because of that i i had gotten very very used to having crowds of people listen to what i'm saying like you know <laughs> if i'm like at an ipad table and all these people want to know about this one ipad that's on display then i'll be like okay you all want to know about this ipad the bit yeah and i'll be like okay so this is the ipad here yeah. you know so i've gotten very very used to and very comfortable with talking to crowds of people i actually find that also very thrilling and exhilarating too so um yeah, no, I actually love it. I want to do that way more, like okay, cool. way, way more. And uh, yeah, no, it's it's really cool that people want to just pay attention because um, I don't know. It's just uh, it makes me feel like whatever I'm doing is worth it, you know? Yeah, yeah you're really good at it, man. So I, I definitely encourage you to keep going. Thank you. I appreciate it. Uh, if if there's like a crowd of people just watching us to our side right here, <laughs> I'd be just as excited, if not more, for this interview. Fair enough. Yeah, that's very cool. Yeah. Yeah, I'm definitely not as much of like an in front of crowd people, I find. Like yeah. I can do it, but I definitely don't like, I don't seek it out necessarily. Me yeah. personally, I get nervous. Like I'm like, am I actually saying what I want to be saying right now? And <laughs> Hey, that's fair, man. Lots of people are like that. Yeah. You know, lots of people are. Like, and it's weird. I find acting easier than like talking about myself. Yeah. Or, like in the vlogs like the rare breed vlogs i hate them sometimes when i see myself come on and, and like have to start talking to the camera because like all of a sudden i have to be like jordan powers and then in another <laughs> sense i'm like well who the hell is that and so it, it, it's so much easier for me to do like acting than it is even something like this it's kind of funny yeah you know who you are though <laughs> yeah <You're> jordan powers <laughs> yeah, I guess yeah. So. yeah it's a big name to live up to <laughs> yeah it, yeah it is but like dude um you're a very like friendly guy you're very easy to talk to and uh, i feel like anybody that saw you on camera just like if you were just yourself you know you don't have to like live up to any name because like yeah. who the fuck cares um but you know you just as you are you would do great in front of a camera you know you're just very personable you're very easy to you're easy going and uh you you have this uh it's it, there's something magnetic about that in which that people I feel like people want to make it very easy to talk to you because that's the impression that I got when I saw you at the film factory when I'm like renting out gear from you I was just like yeah guy was really chill it's super nice you know like I wouldn't mind like getting a coffee with that guy or sitting down for you know uh, lunch or something you know what I mean like it's uh, there's nothing nothing to be in my opinion there's nothing to be afraid of for you to be on camera because every time I see you on camera on a rare breed vlog I'm like oh that's Jordan what's <laughs> up you know so yeah no it's sick i think that you should do that more often oh wicked i frankly. appreciate it yeah i bought this book called uh the art of conversation which i i highly recommend to anybody who may be nervous about like talking to people or going into job interviews and stuff like that and yeah it's helped me so much just because it is like an art form that people uh kind of forgot about like you used to have conversationalists that would show up to your your dinner party and you would invite them specifically so so you have somebody interesting to talk to back yeah. in the day and that's something that we don't necessarily do anymore yeah so true. that's a really good book uh, that i recommend people to to read the art of conversation very good recommendation man yeah, yeah. if i ever got an amazon affiliate link i would have put it in the description <laughs> but i can't because i don't have one <laughs> but yeah that's sick though that's very very cool great recommendation man yeah no it's yeah. a good book yeah hey, are you do you read a lot of books or 
I'm much more of a biography kind of guy. Right. I love reading biographies of people because I love learning personal, str- uh, like I love reading real stories of people. You mm-hmm. know, like I've read Anthony Kiedis's star, uh, Scar Tissue like five times. I've read Kurt Cobain's yep. Heavier Than Heaven. Yep. I've read Steve Jobs' biography. I've read Jimi Hendrix. I've read um, also... Let me see. I've read like and and I've read like countless Wikipedia articles yeah. on like heroes of mine like John Frusciante and stuff. And so I just that, those are the kind of books that I find most valuable because I find that the things that they personally learn in their life experience, I take for myself. Like I find that my personality is very much or at least my mind is created through pieces of everybody else. Like mm-hmm. I feel like I'm the in, I'm created from the environment around me, right? So I just naturally find people that inspire me. I want to know what their story is. And that's exactly why I do this podcast, because I want to know people that are doing really cool shit around here. I want to know what their story is. You know what yeah. I mean? So it's like I'm just doing stuff that's like very natural and intuitive for me. Mm-hmm. No, you strike me as like a, a kind of a research uh, oriented person as well. And, and so am I. And uh, the talks is a good app if you're interested in like biographies and stuff, because it's, it's kind of like a conversation that he has with a journalist and they just interview all some of the most interesting people around. Sick. Uh, but it's like, yeah, I'm the same way. I'm always reading or researching something and trying yeah. to, like, you know, learn. I can tell. I can yeah. tell that you're very much into the whole bettering yourself. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, my favorite quote is from Werner Herzog uh, on the on his masterclass online, where he says, uh, "Filmmaking is the is an art form that will take a lifetime to never master." Yeah, and I just like I I don't know I instantly connected with that. I was like, "Oh, sweet! There is no like end." You know, yeah, it's like you can always be better and get better and and improve and yeah. with when it comes to filmmaking and just life in general. So I thought that was kind of cool. It almost like lifted a huge weight off my shoulders. I was like, "Nice, there is no end. Like I can never be the best." <laughs> yeah, exactly. Same thing with like Casey Neistat. He's not, he's not like closer to mastering it than you are. Yeah. You know, and that's the beauty of being in a, in the space that you're at, you know, like totally. filmmaking, you can always do better. Yeah. Which is amazing. And that's it's so subjective. Like one, one person might hate Guardians of the Galaxy or think it's a dumb movie or it's yeah. just not that good. And then I'm over here being like, that's what made me quit my job at Subaru. Yeah, true. And the same. Yeah, like it's it's very subjective. Like I thought the Venom movie was trash. Like, <laughs> I haven't seen it yet, surprisingly. And it's my like, brother thought it was like, pr- like decent. Yeah. So I'm just like, nah. So um yeah, no, it's totally subjective. Filmmaking can be a very, like, art in itself is just a very subjective thing. Of course, yeah. Yeah, but uh, the fact that people t- pay attention to what you're doing, people pay attention to what I'm doing, is what makes it so worth it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I mean, people create for the sake of creating, but for me, uh, to have people sort of, here's the ego coming involved, but, like, to have people just sort of, like, pay attention to it, it, it gratifies what i'm doing at least my personal experience oh yeah you know? oh same same I, yeah. I love hearing people come up and say yo i saw that video or you're a really good videographer like it's it's cool it's yeah it. yeah totally and so um yeah it's 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 a really wonderful thing being an artist it sucks sometimes it totally sucks but it's, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's a great thing yeah it doesn't always help the bank account <laughs> <laughs> nope <laughs> no, very much not so. But uh, hey, man, that's the life of an artist, and Absolutely. that's the life we choose to live. And it's better to like, it's better. To, I find it's like way better to just fall asleep and knowing that you've you've accomplished what you wanted to accomplish at the end of the day. For yeah. sure, yeah, yeah. Or just applying meaning to something and having something to wake up and get you out of bed every morning. It's, mm-hmm. it's nice to have. So yeah, that's, that's how I feel about it. You know, just 
find meaning and if that's art and then that's a great passion to pursue yeah exactly exactly man um but it was great chatting with you dude like it was yeah. a wonderful wonderful Likewise. like interview i think it, i think this has been uh, one of the most fun uh interviews i've had in a long time oh cool I'm not glad. to say that the, all the other ones that i haven't done aren't fun but it's great chatting with you yeah man. no i was actually just like going through and listening to all your podcasts uh before before i came on here and uh, i thought that tms one was really really good <laughs> and funny and those guys i actually dropped my phone while listening to it and cracked the screens oh no <laughs> yeah. oh shit so oh man <laughs> I'm so sorry. Now. Yeah, we'll say it was from laughter. I was laughing so hard. I dropped the phone or something. <laughs> I appreciate that, man. Thank <laughs> you very much. Um, do you have any final last words? Um, plug your plug your uh, social media and like anything that you've been up to, man. Yeah, I mean, for any of my kind of more uh, personal stuff, I recommend going and checking out at Jordan Powers underscore 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 on uh, Instagram. Uh, for any of my more corporate kind of professional stuff you can hit up the film factories social media and websites and you'll see some of my work there and then um obviously go check out the rare breed dudes a lot of my work and their work and we're always doing crazy shit so that's uh definitely shout out to them um and there's tons of other people i could shout out but you know you only got so much time in the day there you go there you go uh and uh yeah so make sure you check out all of his stuff because what he's doing is really really cool and he's so busy i'm just so thankful that this guy was able to like come on to my show and talk about what he needed to talk about because man i've been wanting to know for a while now so <laughs> anyway thanks again jordan i appreciate you being here and thank you to everybody that's been listening because i really appreciate your time and your attention because that means so much to me because without that um this podcast would be still ongoing but it just i just love seeing your feedback and you know where you can give me your feedback is dropping a comment on all the posts that i make on instagram make sure that you follow jordan make sure you follow us on like instagram facebook at for the culture canada also if you listen to us on the apple Podcasts app it would help us so so much if you rated us five stars and if you left a comment saying what you thought of the show what you think of the episodes who your favorite was and everything like that we would love to love to know and if you have any suggestions on how we can make the show better let us know because you know what it's always a game of improvement and i always want to do better for you okay so thank you so much for listening i'm your host deepak batty and uh have a great day y'all